I am so excited about this. I want to welcome you to the Purpose Project Podcast. During our time together, I will teach you how to pray, how to intentionally develop intimacy with your Creator, and challenge you to discover and embrace your God-ordained purposes. I am your host, Margie Florent. My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. I want to talk to you this morning about rising above the storm. Rising above the storm. And what I love about the Holy Spirit, He causes our thoughts to become agreeable with His thoughts, and we all just kind of flow together. And we make up one voice. And I love how this service has all just uh, not only magnified Jesus, but it, it always points us into a direction of a theme that what God wants to get across to each and every one of us today and for those of you that are online. I talk to you about rising above the, so- the storm. Now, I'm going to speak this over you, and as I speak this over you, I want you just to receive these words in your heart. You are a soldier in the army of God. You may not see yourself like that, but I'm telling you, you are not of this world. You are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. You have been born for such a time as this, and in the realm of the Spirit, you are a soldier of Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is your commanding officer. The Holy Scripture is your code of conduct. Faith, tongues, the name of Jesus, worship, and prayer, and the Word of God are your weapons of your warfare. The weapons of our warfare are not natural, carnal machine guns and guns and swords, they are mighty through God in the realm of the spirit to the pulling down of strongholds. You don't have natural weapons. You have all of these script, these things that I just said, you have these as your spiritual weapons. And I'm just going to say this, and I believe as I preach today, some strongholds are coming down. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You lack in nothing. You have everything you need to be a successful soldier for the kingdom of God. You have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. You may say, well, I don't have that much experience. Let me just say this. If any of you have ever read anything about church history and you've read the stories of Catherine Coleman and John G. Lake, all these other mighty men and women of God that have have already gone up into glory and received their reward. Listen, you know a whole lot more of the word of God than they did back in the day. So we can't say we don't have experience. Are we growing? Yes, we're growing. Are we always coming to the knowledge of the truth? Yes, we are. Are we dying daily? Yes, we are. But we are, I I see us as an army, and we are more equipped than any other army that has walked on the face of this earth. And we are able to tread 
on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Do things hurt us at times? Yes, they do. But that doesn't mean we draw back. That doesn't mean we quit. We just continue to learn and continue to grow and continue to press on toward the mark. So we've been trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. Now, you are a volunteer in this army. <laughs> when, you were, when you came into the kingdom of God, you were baptized in Jesus Christ, you came into the kingdom of God, and you already became a soldier in Jesus Christ, and you are enlisted for eternity. So while we were, are here on this earth, the war is never going to stop. We are never going to stop using the weapons of our warfare. Now, do at times, you know, we are weary and well-doing? Yes. At times, you know, do we have periods of rest? Yes. But then there's seasons and times and phases in our walk with God and in our journey that we come into a season, what I think Ecclesiastes 3 says, is a time of war. So we're basically right now in the realm of the spirit in a time of war. And I'm saying that prophetically because this is not in my notes. We are in a time of war. So it's time for us as a church and as a universal church, but I'm speaking here to worship church, it's time for us to arise. It's time for us to shine. It's time for us to put on the full armor of God, make sure we don't have any cracks in our armor, so that the enemy can gain strongholds. And it's important for us to be sober, to be vigilant, because we have an adversary. And he roams about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, I like it what I heard a preacher say back in the day. They say, yeah, he's a roaring lion, but his teeth are knocked out. <laughs> but he still is roaring. He still is trying to consume us. He's still trying to overtake us. You know, the Bible says that the thief comes for three reasons. To kill, to steal, and to destroy. And my friends, he is working 24 hours a day. He never relents, he never stops, and he never gives up. But remember, greater is he who is in you and me than he that is in the world. And we overcome him, how? By the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimony, and even as the worshiper said, by the praise that we have in our mouths. Because praise and worship stills the avenger. But we have to be sober. We have to be strong. We have to be watchful. That means never be off our guard. That means, doesn't mean we're going to, you know, be, oh, my God, oh, my God, there's a devil behind every corner. Oh, my God, oh, my God, the devil, the devil. No, 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 no. What you focus on is generally what is magnified in your life. Did you know that? We want to focus in on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And we're going to get into this, who spoiled principalities and powers and made a complete show of the devil open, openly, triumphant over the devil in his death, burial, and resurrection. So we want to focus on Jesus and what he did in his death, burial, and resurrection, but we also want to be aware that we are in a war 
and we have an enemy. That's why I believe it's very important for us not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. To know our enemy, know how he operates, understand what's going on in our thought life. Are these thoughts from me? Or are they from the devil? Or are they from the Holy Spirit? I think it's important for discernment to arise in the body of Christ. And what I know about the Lord is I believe he's like a natural parent. If we need equipment, he's going to give it to us. And I believe that God, uh, the Father, the Holy Spirit, who's the head of the church, he is the head. He is our, our king and our God and our captain and our, 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 our chief commander. I believe he saw that we as an army need to increase in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I believe he knows that he needs to impart to the body of Christ a greater discernment because without this discernment, we're just going to get knocked out. There's going to be a lot of casualties. So I hear the Lord saying that I'm increasing you in all wisdom, spiritual understanding, and discernment. But it's going to take a little bit of experience to learn what that is. You know, you know how sometimes it is you walk into a room and you pick up on something and you think it's you. <laughs> but you learn by experience through time, experience, and through growing that it wasn't you. You were picking that up by the Holy Spirit. He gave you a red light. That means no, 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 don't do it, don't do it, don't go there, don't do it, da, 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 whatever the case may be. Or you pick up on that green light which means that is the way, walk ye in it. It's a yes, do that and, and, and follow my voice. You, you learn about discernment. Um, you get into a person's presence not to be judgmental or mean or, you know, you know whatever, but you get in somebody's presence, and all of a sudden you're bombarded with all this negativity and thoughts and some of the thoughts are perverted. And you're like, I don't have that in me. I'm not into that. I don't watch stuff like that. What is that? You're discerning a spirit that has been encamped round about that particular individual. So what do you do with that? It, I would take it to prayer. Praying the Holy Ghost. You could pray for the person. Or whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do. But know that not all your thoughts are your thoughts. Know that you are in a war and that the war is real. But again, I'm going to say it, I believe that God is increasing us in wisdom, revelation, and discernment. Why? Because we need it. We need it. Listen, there's so many voices out there in the world. That's why it's important as leaders, and we do the best that we can, it's important that we, we don't come with an uncertain sound. Because if we come to you as leaders and as equippers under the head of Jesus Christ, because he's our head, we are just the body, doing our best to follow him. If we come with an uncertain sound, we're not going to equip the, the, the body of Christ for the battle. That's why it's, it's fun to be in a church like this, 
Because sometimes we need teaching, line upon line upon line. Sometimes we need prophecy, prophetic word of the Lord. Sometimes we may just have a whole entire service of worshiping God. What is that? It's equipping us for the week. It's equipping us for the battle. Are you listening? Okay? So you are a volunteer in this army enlisted for eternity. Lord God, I will never retire. <laughs> I don't know about everybody else. I don't get it. I'm going to refire. Are you listening? You know, I mean, I understand that as we get older, we, we do need to relax a little bit. Right? We do. And turn things over to the younger people, but still stay as overseers. But, you know, we're going to be doing this, I'm going to be doing this into my 90s, 94 at least. Look at Joyce Meyer. Look how long she's still traveling and speaking. See, that's going to be me. How about you? We're in this for eternity. I, I, and I heard the Lord just say, I heard, and the long haul. Amen? And for some of us, the haul has been really long. So when you feel yourself, you know, getting burned out or tired, that's a time just to sit back and say, listen, I need a break. Listen, I needed a break for about a year one time. I took a whole entire year off. I needed a break. 2020, I went through a situation, and I was thankful for the pandemic because all my meetings were, I mean, thankful, I'm sorry, sorry. I mean, the, the circumstances, meaning you were quarantined, I was thankful that all my meetings got canceled because I didn't have to be up in front of people. I was in no way, shape, or form to be in a position to minister to people. So everything was shut down. All my meetings got canceled. And for me, I was happy about it. You guys all here? Good. I hope I could get through my notes today. You know how that goes. You will not sell out. You will not get out. You will not be talked out or pushed out. You guys are too strong for that. Body of Christ, you know too much. To whom much is given, much is required. You are faithful and you know you are. Oh, I'm not faithful. Oh, God. I just made the biggest mistake the other day. Oh, God. Really? But you're faithful. Have you continued steadfast, immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord? Have you fallen seven times and gotten back up and kept running the race? Yes. What does that mean? It means you're faithful. Are you perfect? None of us are perfect. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. Every single one of us has imperfections. That's why the Apostle Paul said, listen, I glory in my infirmities because I know that this power, this anointing, this thing I operate in is not of me. Ain't no human force could possibly do what I'm doing. What is it? It's the power and the glory of God. That's why the more you know your weaknesses and the more you know your shortcomings, the more you, you know, you know what, God? This has got to be you because this certainly isn't me. So it's okay to have weaknesses. It's okay to, you know, go through things and fall down. But you're faithful when you just keep getting up. Because, see, discouragement is an action plan of the devil. That's really good. I'm going to write that one down. Discouragement is an action plan of the devil to get the body of Christ to quit. Because discouragement is the beginning of the loss of vision. So if he can take your vision, 
By discouragement, he can get you to quit. I'm going to smile. <laughs> little commercial. I know my nail's short. I've been waiting for it to heal for about four weeks. i got another three days. It looks very strange. But for those of you that notice my nail, that's, that's what's going on here. But are you listening? We will not draw back. We are going to continue to press toward the mark. We are faithful. You are faithful. And you know what the Bible says? Faithful is he who has called you, and he will do it. This whole thing that you and I are operating in in these last days is not going to be by might. It's not going to be by power, by human reasoning, and human understanding, and human strength. It's going to be by the Spirit of the Lord. We can't do this on our own. Catherine Coleman, all the miracles and power gifts that were manifestation in her meetings, she didn't do that. She said, there's not one ounce of healing, miracle, working power in me. She said, it's the Holy Spirit. She just knew the secrets to the kingdom. She just knew, she just had to create an atmosphere for God to work and for the Holy Spirit to manifest. She was so sensitive to the Holy Spirit, she knew how to create that atmosphere. And you know what? She wasn't performance-oriented like a lot of churches are today. Ashi, ashi. She wasn't performance-oriented, and she wasn't putting on a show. If there was no anointing, she didn't do it. If there was no anointing, she wouldn't say it. I'm sorry. I'm actually not, but I'll say it because I want to be nice about it. But I'm sorry, but there's a lot of so-called prophets that are prophesying out of their own spirit because there's so much pressure on them to perform. Are you prophetic, Margie? I'm prophetic, but don't ask me to lay hands on 75 people and have a word for them. No way, Jose. I'm not doing that. I back off from that. See, I draw back from that. And maybe I grieve the Holy Spirit when I do that because I'm, oh, wow, that might be the case. He might be correcting me because I'm despising prophecy. Could I prophesy to 75 people? Well, you can, but I want to make sure that what I say is thus saith the Holy Ghost. So maybe God just corrected me right in front of you. Maybe if I didn't despise prophesy and didn't judge certain prophets for some things they've said and didn't come to pass because maybe they just made a mistake, maybe if I just stopped having that attitude, maybe God would use me more in prophecy. You see how the Holy Ghost works? <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for that correction. All right, you ready? So, you have complete authority. Jesus has given it to you. Stay with me. We must use our weapons, our knowledge, and our God-given authority. And we already said it, came out under the unction. Have we all arrived? No. Paul said, I press toward the mark. I've not already attained, nor am I perfect, but I'm moving on. So we are in a war with an unseen enemy. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 12. I heard from a friend of mine when, after I was already preparing and I was going to share this scripture that your apostle of the house talked about this last week. Aren't you happy that we're all flowing together into one voice? But the Spirit of God wants to emphasize some more things this morning. It says here, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against 
I want you to notice how many times the word against is in this verse. Against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That word wrestle is used figuratively, figuratively in this verse of spiritual conflict engaged by believers. So we don't wrestle against each other or human beings. We're wrestling against devils, demons, evil spirits. Listen, it is a spiritual conflict. I love this today because I'm anointed. And I've preached on things like this, not exactly before, and I had so much opposition from the enemy it's like my words were coming out of my mouth, hitting the back of the church and hitting me in the head. What is that? That's called spiritual warfare against the ministry gift. That's why the Bible says, Paul said, pray for us. He didn't ask for anything else. He said, pray for us. Why? That the word of the Lord may have free course and that we would be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. So we are in this conflict, and I'm thankful I don't have that kind of warfare today because the enemy does not want you to hear this. And nor he also knows that this is going into the highways and the byways is going to be shared and so on and so forth. And See, you know, the Bible says that we're to expose the works of darkness. And he doesn't like his, can I say it? Crap being exposed. He wants to stay hidden. He wants to stay undercover. Because the more he can keep the church in the dark, the more he can work because he works in the dark. But let us who are of the day be sober, be vigilant, and watch out because we have an adversary who is a roaring lion who's seeking whom he may devour. Listen, I'm going to ask you a question. Is there a watchman in your house? In your home, in your family, is there a watchman in your house? In my home, my family, for me, I'm the watchman in my house. What's a watchman? It's not my subject, but it's coming up. What's a watchman? A watchman is, is someone who stands on the walls of a city and sees trouble coming from afar, generally the enemy. So as a watchman in my house, I have to have discernment. And I watch over my kids, I watch over the family, I watch over my friends even, I watch over certain people that I'm in a relationship with, and I make sure they're okay. Well, how do you do that? From the inside out. I look on the inside, am I grieved in my spirit? Do I have a love for that person? Do I have a check in my spirit? Do I see something in a dream or in a vision in the night? It's called being a watchman. Why? Because the enemy would like to get into your families and into your homes and do what? Kill, steal, and destroy. So is there a watchman in your house? Food for thought. So Colossians chapter 2, verse 1 and 5 says, For I want you to know, the apostle said, what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. 
He said, I'm absent from you in the flesh. So I'm not with you. You see what I'm saying? Or what he's saying. I'm not with you in the natural, yet I am with you in the spirit. How many of you have ever had that happen with people? You see their face. You know they're in a conflict. You know that they're in some kind of war. Listen, and they need help. That's why I think our leaders need Aaron's and hers. Because as long as Aaron and her held up the arms of Moses, the, the miracles and the power of God and the vision of God and the purpose of God for Moses' life as a leader continued to manifest. But he got tired. So they held up his arms and the will of God was fulfilled. Isn't that what it's all about? Fulfilling the will of God on the earth that all of us can work together? But you can have a prayer assignment for a leader or for a person, and you may not even be with them necessarily. You're just, you're with them in the spirit. That word conflict means it's A-G-O-N, and it metaphorically speaks of a contest of athletes. It means to fight, to race against. I would have you know a great conflict I have for you. There's a conflict I'm sensing in my spirit. It implies a contest against spiritual foes. Amen. Amen. So it's important that we be strong in the Lord. The Amplified says of Ephesians 6.10, uh, draw your strength from him. The Lord is the source of our strength. See, Margie is Margie. I'm an introvert. I'm quiet normally by nature, five feet four, depending on the day, about 117 pounds. You know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm strong in my emotion because I've done a lot of healing and soul healing, which is really helpful to do because it keeps you, you know, the enemy doesn't have a stronghold to gain entrance with insecurities and weird fears. But Margie is in the spirit, very strong. Why are you strong? Because I've experienced a lot. I'm not as strong as I'm going to be. I haven't yet arrived. But because of Christ in me, the hope of glory, and having him in me, and I depend on him, I'm strong. Same with you. We can do all things through what? Through Christ who strengthens us. Do you know how many times, like in the beginning, those of you that are young leaders, you know how many times, like in the beginning, for years, even like more like, you know, 30 years into what I was, I've been doing as a public leader, I can't tell you how many times I would beg God, please, oh God, please, please, please. You know, you're not supposed to pray like that. But I'd be like, God, please help me, help me, Jesus. I got to preach, I got to teach. You better show up. Oh God, I can't do it without you better show up. One time I was working out with one of my trainers and I had a speaking engagement coming up. And, you know, my, they don't really, this particular trainer doesn't, did not know about spiritual things, but she hung around me long enough to know I'm in ministry and, you know, and I don't preach to her. We're just friends and then things come out. You know how it is. He that wins souls is wise. You don't always preach to somebody and pound them with the gospel. You live your life and every once in a while things come out. So I remember one time I was training with her and I was thinking, and sometimes when I work out, this is strange, but when I work out, God starts speaking to me and giving me direction for meetings. I guess because my body is 
you know, when I work out, I try to like not feel the pain. So I try to disconnect. <laughs> and I guess maybe that's, it's easier for me to hear from God. But I remember one time I had a speaking engagement come up and um, she was, I said to her, you know, I have the speaking engagement this weekend, da, 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 da. And I looked at her, I said, you know, I said, God better show up. And uh, then I went to the meeting and I came back to do another training session with her. And she goes to me, it was the funniest thing hearing it come out of her mouth. She goes, so, did God show up? <laughs> I go, oh, my God, he showed up. It was so amazing. It was powerful. But why did God show up? You yield your life to him. You depend on him more than yourself. You draw your strength from him. You move aside and you say, Lord, not my will. Your will be done. You've called me. You've anointed me. I thank you that when I stand in that place that you've called me to stand in, I thank you that your grace is sufficient for me. So you draw your strength from him. Amen. There's somebody listening here, and this is an interesting word of knowledge. And you're somebody online, and you want to get your driver's license because you're a young person, and you're nervous about it. Draw your strength from Jesus. He'll give you wisdom when you parallel park. Just draw your strength from G to Jesus. Didn't he say in his word, I am with you, says the Lord? Do you know that he's with you in the big things and in the little things, even when you go for your driving test? What's important to you is important to God. Didn't he say in his word, I will perfect everything that concerns you? Does getting your license concern you? Yes. Well, then it concerns God. He's saying to you, I'm going to be with you. Okay? So we draw our strength from him. Now, I want to just say this before we do the second part of this. Stay balanced in our approach to spiritual warfare. Some things, listen... And I know because I'm human. Some things are human will. Some things are emotional. Some things are simply ignorance of the scripture. Seemingly, quote, defeat has nothing to do with our love for God or his love for us. We just have to keep our eyes on Jesus and his word and his promises. What did God tell Joshua? God said to Joshua, listen. This is the deal. This is the land that you're going to go in. I've called you to do it. I've called you to conquer it. He said, be, God kept telling him, be strong and very courageous. Why would God keep telling him to be strong and very courageous? Because he needed to be strong and very courageous. <laughs> he told him three times, be strong and very courageous. Why? Because you're going to face opposition. I like what I heard somebody say, and I, t I agree. A lot of people can start out with a vision, start out with the church, start out in ministry, but not everybody can go in for the long haul. I should have named this message the long haul. You know, it takes somebody who's strong and courageous and has kept their eyes on Jesus and maintained intimacy with him to be able to run the race right up to the end. Okay, so we are in a war, but for today, we're going to be reminded of two realities. We already know worship. We already know the other things, but I have two, two things on assignment, and we're going to get through this really quick. Number one, here's my number one. Remember, Christ is in you. 
And I looked at that, and I've never thought of it like this, but remember, deity is in you. Deity is in you. Who's in you? Deity, Christ, I'll dwell in them, I'll walk in them, I'll be their God, they'll be my people. Who? who? You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Who is in you? Christ, deity, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are on the inside of you. The God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who created Adam and Eve, the God who created your brain, the God who created your fingers, the God who created these nails, and thank you, Jesus, I've saved my nail bed, the God who created your body, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That God is on the inside of you. Yeah. Colossians 1 says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. Who is what? Whoa, here we go. You're complete in him. You're in him, in Christ. Have you ever done a teaching on in him, in whom, in Christ? I forget how many scriptures there are. There's, I don't know how many, a lot. I actually did a CD of all the, or an audio now we call it, all the in him, in Christ scriptures. You are in him, complete, who is the head of what? All principality and power. Colossians 1.27, this is the mystery among the Gentiles, which is what? It's a mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So where Margie goes, where you go, where, pa where Pastor Lydia goes, where Pastor Bob goes, and Joshua and all you other guys, where you go, Christ goes. That's why you have the Spirit of the Lord upon you, and you are anointed. I'm not anointed. You are anointed. That is a whole nother message. The believer's ministry and street revival. You are anointed. What are you anointed to do? To preach the gospel. But when you're not preaching, do you know that when you walk into the room, Christ walks into the room? The Holy Spirit walks into the room. Why is it that when you come in the, in the presence of some people, you know what happens? You begin to convict them and convince them of their need for Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. They get really uncomfortable around you, and they may even get mean. Why? Because, listen, you're carriers of the glory of God. You're carriers of his presence. It may seem normal to you to feel the way you do, but to a person who doesn't know Jesus, when you walk into the room, you carry his presence. And people, devils don't like it. Mm -hmm. I've had people say to me, oh, you have an energy. I don't have an energy. I have Christ in me, the hope of glory. This is a weird thing, and I'm going to say it anyway. I don't know if it's true or not or what happened, but I was in a nail salon. I was getting my toes done, and this woman was there, and, and I, when I walked in. It was normal, calm, and quiet. And I'm getting my toes done, and this woman is working with my girl who usually does my nails, who's a sweetheart. She's a sweetheart. And this woman, the customer, all of a sudden got mean and vicious, started putting her down, telling her off, and then it was the most unbelievable thing I ever saw in my life. I'm not going to tell you the full story, but when she left, not only did I tell Jenny not to sweat the small stuff because, you know, I don't know, it was kind of mean on my part. I, I, I thought that lady was small to treat her like that. That's small. You're going to be mean to somebody? Why can't you be nice to somebody? Be the bigger person. But, you know, I thought about it later. I said, Lord, 
I said, what was that? And I believe the Spirit of God said, because you carried a presence into that nail salon and it agitated the devils that were in her. Is that possible? Absolutely, 100%. We're ignorant of who we are in Christ and what we carry, but when we walk into a room with our authority and our anointing and our Christ in us, we agitate demons. This is a really good message. (laughs) Pastor Lydia knows. She saw my notes. This is not all in my notes. I love the anointing. I love how the Holy Spirit speaks expressly and gives us words and teaches us through the leadership. 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, you look at those script- You look that scripture up. That wasn't in the overhead. You look that scripture up. And what's Paul talking about in the above scriptures? Devils, demons, and evil spirits. You are of who? God. And I'm going to read this one, 1 Corinthians 2, 8. God had wisdom in sending his son, and, and we call it the plan of redemption. And I love this. Because this is like a slap in the face to the devil. And I would have loved to have been there when, when the, at the birth of the church age, Acts 2, 1 through 4, you know, when the Holy Spirit came like a rushing mighty wind, filled all the house where they were sitting. Do you know that that was a complete surprise to the enemy? And the scripture proves it. It says, which... Speaking of the plan of redemption, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known it, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. You know what happened? All of a sudden, at the birth of the church age, Christ came into hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And instead of Jesus being contained to one body, everyone say one body, he now was multiplied you know, the, 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 and that revival was 1,000 and then 4,000 then 5,000 people were added to the church. If the devil had known that Christ in us would be the hope of glory and that we would be little Christ-like ones in the earth, anointed by the Spirit, filled with the Holy Ghost and with authority, he, the Scripture said he would have never crucified the Lord of glory. But you know what I love about the enemy and I love about God's wisdom is the enemy played right into the hand of the plan of redemption. (laughs) So don't ever think that your plan for your life is all messed up. We're not that powerful. You know, sometimes in life we just have to recalculate. Recalculate, recalculate. But we always get back on course, don't we? All right, now, remember, number two, my assignment for today, remember your authority as a believer. I'm not going to get into all of this because we already taught this at prayer school, but I just want to highlight one thing. Remember your authority as a believer. The dominion and the authority in the earth, in the realm of the spirit, was lost in Adam. And when I taught this in prayer school, it was the most accurate and the most, the crispest and the cleanest I had ever taught that word. I don't know where it is. We actually put it up on our channel. 
but it was, it was just clean and crisp. I'm not going to get into all of that because for the sake of time, but the dominion and the authority was lost in Adam. They lost it for us. God handed the earth over to Adam and Eve. But now it's restored in Jesus. Really quick, I'm going to read it really quick just to stay on course with biblical accuracy. God said to Adam and Eve, he said, I'm going to make man in my own image, in my own likeness, and they're going to have dominion. That word dominion is rada. In the Hebrew, it means to tread, to rule, to have dominion, dominate. Dominate! He said, I'm going to give them dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, over everything on the earth, everything. And God made man in his own image, in the image of God. He created them, male and female, and he blessed them and, said, and told them to be fruitful and subdue it. He said, have dominion over the fish of the sea. Now, I'm a dog mom. I'm supposed to have dominion over my 16-pound shih tzu. I'm the mom of the house. Do you know that that dog still, as much as he's been trained, runs away from me? And he plays a game. And then he puts his paw down for play bow. And then he spins around and runs away. I'm supposed to have dominion over that dog. Now, do I always have dominion over him? No. Why? I don't know why. Maybe because I'm not consistent. But here we see God said to Adam and Eve, you're going to have absolute, total, and complete dominion over what I created. Without going into all of it for the sake of time, but what happened is Genesis 3, Genesis 2, Genesis 3, you read on, Adam and Eve sold it out to the devil, disobeyed God, and what was once Adam and Eve's, they literally, because of their disobedience, sin entered the earth. God said, if you eat of this tree and, and disobey me, in dying, you're going to surely die. So the serpent had already been roaming about. That's Ezekiel. He had already been roaming about because Lucifer, who was created Lucifer, was perfect, but iniquity was found in him, and he fell with a third of the angels. And all those devils, demons, and evil spirits were roaming about, and God knew about it. So he wanted to protect his creation. So he said, listen, in order for you and I to stay connected and under my rule, don't eat from this one tree. And you guys know what happened because you know the scriptures. You're mature in the word. You know that Adam and Eve, they, they, they disobeyed God. They yielded to the authority of Satan and his words and put aside God's word and his authority. They yielded. They submitted to the devil. They did, and they resisted God. It's the opposite of that scripture. So therefore, sin came into the earth. Satan became the god of this present world. And so all the dominion, all the authority was, that was lost, was lost in Adam. But what I want to share with you young people today is that this authority and this dominion has been restored in Jesus. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You may not know it, but you have complete and total authority over the enemy through the word of God, through praise and worship, and specifically through the use of the name of Jesus. I haven't heard teaching like that in 20 years. That's the problem. 
I learned how to prophesy. I learned how to dance and use my flags, but I didn't know about the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Second Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. We're not going to read the whole thing for the sake of time. It says it right here. If our gospel is veiled, it, 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 is, it is veiled to who? Those who are perishing. Whose what? Minds the God of this age has blinded. Who do not believe. That's why intercession is important, another subject, because you can lift up those blinders off of somebody through your prayers. They'll be delivered by the cleanness of your hands so that they could see the light of the glorious gospel. Luke 4, 6, the devil taking Jesus up to a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, does the devil speak? Absolutely, 100%. The devil said to him, all this authority, everyone say authority, Authority. I will give you, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I can give it to whoever I wish. Think about it. This is what the Bible says. My friends, people say, well, that that wasn't a real temptation. If it wasn't a real temptation, then we're all doomed. Some would say, well, Satan really didn't have that power or authority. Well, if so, Jesus would have told him so. The Bible says this was a temptation. If the devil didn't have that power and authority, it couldn't have been a temptation. The Son of God would have been a partner to a lie. But this was a real temptation. When did Satan get that authority? Did God give it to him? No. God made the world and the fullness thereof. He made his man Adam. God said to Adam, I give you dominion over the works of my hands. You rule here. You run it. But Adam gave it to Satan. Here's another scripture to prove the point. 1 John 5, 19 wasn't on the overhead because I thought of it later. We're of God. The whole world lies under the control of the wicked one. But listen, here's the good news, and we're going to close with this. Jesus conquered the devil and all the powers of spiritual darkness through his death, burial, and resurrection, soldiers and army of God, you are not powerless. You are not weak. You have the greater one in you. You have the power of God in you. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being Could he die, and by dying he could break the power of the devil who had the power of death? 
Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. Why was he manifested? Why? That he might destroy the works of the devil. Another scripture that's coming to me. Are you guys okay with the time? I'm almost done. Acts, see the anointing's still flowing. If I know you're tired, I'll, I'll have to quit. Acts 10, 38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? And you are anointed with the same spirit. With what? With the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and what? Healing all were, who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. That word destroy in this scripture, 1 3, John 3, 8, it means to ruin the structure, to ruin as if by tearing it to shreds, to put out of existence that he might what? Ruin by tearing it to shreds, ruin the structure, pull down the strongholds, the works of the devil. Colossians 2.15 Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a spectacle spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Jesus did that. He disarmed them. That word disarm means to deprive of the means of attack or defense, render harmless or reduce or abolish. Another translation says spoil principalities and powers. That word means to put off, to strip off clothes of another. Can you imagine the embarrassment if the enemy could even be embarrassed? That he, if they had known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. He went in, he destroyed principalities and powers. The revelation says he took back the keys of hell, death, and a grave. And the grave, he said, I am he that lived and was dead. But behold, hey, yo, I'm alive forevermore. Now I have the symbols of authority, and now my church, I'm telling my church now to rise up. Use my power. Use my authority and go in my name and start casting out devils. The authority has been given back to the church, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and Jesus came and spoke to them. He appeared to them, walked through a wall and appeared to them. And he said, listen, All authority, that word authority is exousia, delegated authority and liberty to exercise the full power of attorney in all of God's interests. Complete authority to act in God's stead as if God himself were doing the work, the right to exercise power or the rule of government. He said, all authority has been given unto me. Now listen, this is how it works. Army of God, go therefore. Mark 16 says, and these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, you're going to cast out devils. In my name, you're going to cast out devils. I don't know where my scriptures. Oh, here it is. I want to read this. In my name, you're going to cast out devils, and you're going to do all these other things. And then he said, don't worry that the spirits are subject to you because, you know, he said, I saw Satan 
falling from heaven, but I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Philippians 2, this is the one I'm looking for. The Bible says that Jesus humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. We're good on time, guys. I'm surprised we got all this done. You know why? Because we're not shooting little guns anymore. We're shooting machine guns. He humbled himself. He became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow of those in heaven and of earth and under the earth, and that every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So three worlds must bow their knee to the name of Jesus because the power and the authority is exercised. Are you listening? When you use the name of Jesus. When you use the name of Jesus, the Bible says in John 14, he says, you use my name, it's going to present all that I am. It brings me in on the scene. Because you're, it's a power and the authority. It's a delegated authority. For example, and then we're going to close. For example, I've, given, I've done a living will and a will. My kids have the power of attorney to use my name and to write checks. God forbid. I just made sure I was really wise who has that power. But they can write checks. They could, they, in my name, they represent me. When you use the name of Jesus, you're using that power of authority. You represent Christ. And when you use his name, as this scripture says in John 14, he is there to back it up. They're using my name. I've given them my will. I've given them my word. I told them to use my name. I told them it's okay. And when you do it, he says, I am there to back it up, presenting all that I am. Lastly, there's no other name. I got this when our... our, our Worship team was leading worship. I forgot about it. Did you know that there's no other name given among men whereby men can be saved? Did you know that when you call upon, there's only one name, the name of Jesus, that you'll be saved? You can't call upon the name of Buddha, whatever all these people are. It's only the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Project podcast. For more content, video, and teachings like this, visit margieflorent.org.